We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Napa A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by NoHalftime.com. It is Tuesday, September 20th, 2016. I'm Jake Letarski here alongside Eric Katuri. If you're out there on Twitter, you can follow Eric at ETCAT30. You can follow me at JakeSki52. Uh, quick reminder here, please, uh, if you happen to be listening on iTunes or Stitcher, uh, it would be a huge help if you could go leave us a nice rating and review. And of course, any and all feedback is appreciated. Eric, we're going to get started by jumping right into Monday Night Football today here. Uh, I'm going to ask you to do something painful to get things going, and that is going to be to put yourself in the shoes of a Chicago Bears fan and answer me one question. Is there literally one single positive that you take out of this game? I mean, you're starting quarterback, Jay Cutler, right thumb sprain, multi-week absence, Jeremy Langford, 2.5 yards per carry. Even the kicker you signed to replace Robbie Gold, who was pretty well-respected in Chicago, he missed a 31-yard chip shot here. So putting yourself in the shoes of a Bears fan, anything positive here? The only positive is you might end up getting the number one pick and have the ability to select Deshaun Watson Mm -hmm. uh, next spring. Yeah. Um, I guess that's really they should just tank this season. (laughs) <laughs> it's not like they had any promise anyway. Yeah. With especially with uh Minnesota and Green Bay at the top of the division. Like they're exactly. gonna battle it out for one, two and playoff positioning. What like what is to gain on this? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm sure me and other Elshon Jeffrey owners out there 
want them to at least try a little bit so we can get Elshon Jeffrey no, some I'm decent with you production. Too. Yeah. yeah, I think we need him. I mean, a lot of people drafted Jeffrey with the uh, with the intention that hey, he's going to get a load of targets. Cutler always likes finding one guy he likes and then forcing him the ball over and over again. That's usually the Cutler mo here and Elshon Jeffrey pretty solid game led the team with seven targets uh goes ahead and calls hauls in five of them for 96 yards fell just shy of the end zone in one uh, situation of course Langford ran that one in but overall Cutler wasn't terribly inaccurate he had 9.2 yards per attempt before he uh before he left but this Bears offensive line has got to it's got I mean let's keep it simple it's got to play better if they're going to go anywhere yeah but you know after paying what is it, Kyle Long? I don't remember which Long it is. Yeah, it's Kyle Long for the yeah, Bears. After paying him all that money, um, I mean, he's supposed to be anchoring that line now and mm-hmm. you know making or th- making sure it's actually living up to its, uh, I, I guess, their expectations. Yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, hey, cliche of the day, it's it's a team sport. You can have one guy to help protect Jay's blind side, sure. but just throw your best pass rushers on the other side, and, and, and Jay's going to take a beating. And that he did, and he got knocked out of the game. And it looks like Brian Hoyer is going to be starting week three. That seems to be the case. Of course, uh, big stud Brian Hoyer we know from his years at Cleveland. Uh, I mean, man, if the Bears do go number one draft pick and trade Cutler, wouldn't Jay Cutler make the perfect Cleveland Brown? He just embodies everything that you think of when you think of the Cleveland Browns organization. Just like the pouting and the constant struggles and underachieving. It's just I think Cutler would make a perfect Brown. I w- yes, I would love to see his sulking face on the Cleveland sideline for sure. Exactly. Um, well, yeah. So yeah, when it comes to uh, Cutler today, we actually learned that he's likely facing an extended absence, mm-hmm. but he could avoid surgery. Yep. It really depends on the extent of the torn ligament in his thumb mm-hmm. um but yeah it looks like brian Hoyer will be under center exactly and what that means for elshon jeffrey owners i don't think it means a ton different because you it's one mediocre quarterback forcing the ball to you maybe double digit times a game to another mediocre quarterback who should do the same if he has any any Confidence. faint aspirations of, yeah. of being successful you need to utilize elshon well, I mean, your best weapon deandre hopkins prospered with uh brian horry last year so you, mm-hmm. you think uh elshon jeffrey can do the same yeah if it comes down to it uh I think they have, like, David Fails on the mm-hmm. practice squad right now. Exactly. Well, and then, I mean, don't forget about Kevin White on the other side, too. He's sure. your number seven overall draft pick who has physically got the tools. It's just a matter of putting it all together. He was targeted six times in the Monday night game, hauled in four passes for 36 yards. Standard September stud Eddie Royal hauled in four for 52 on six targets as well. <laughs> I don't expect that to keep up for uh, for too long here. But uh, Zach Miller? Yeah, Zach Miller. I mean, he's supposed to be their big tight end and uh, ended up, catching four or five targets for 33 yards. So, yeah. I mean, not a lot going in the Chicago passing game. you got to protect the quarterback, keep him upright if you have any hopes of uh, that sustaining. Uh, what about the Philadelphia side, though? There seems like uh, a lot to like here with Carson Wentz. Now, again, 21 for 34, 190 yards, 5.6 yards per attempt, uh, sacked twice, one touchdown, no interceptions. I mean, the big thing is he's a rookie quarterback that's staying mistake-free. I don't know how much he's going to light it up from a fantasy perspective, but uh, he could help this Eagles that are currently 2-0. and This team could win some games with Carson Wentz. Yeah, you really got to like the uh, support system that he has there in uh, mm-hmm. Philadelphia, especially with Coach Doug Peterson. He played a dozen years in the league, and he's been an offensive coordinator and a quarterback's coach in the league under Andy Reid. Then he has Frank Reich as his offensive coordinator, 16 years as an NFL quarterback, also many years as an offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, he when you have this kind of support system, like it's not surprising that they were built, able to build them up to this point, honestly. Yeah, exactly. The table is set for success, and now it almost looks like they don't have to worry about easing them in in terms of play calling. They opened the book a lot on, on Monday night and were able to do a lot of different things. Yeah. They made a lot of personnel switches. I think all four Philadelphia backs got used. Uh, Trey Burton got some action in the absence of Zach Ertz. I mm-hmm. think when, when Ertz gets back... I'm very excited to see what he's going to be able to do with yeah. a, with a quarterback that uh, you know can actually get him the ball and 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 a play calling system you know kind of designed to benefit uh, the quarterback, which in general would involve looking down to the tight end. So, so do you know who's leading the league in uh, time of possession right now? Got to be the Eagles, right? It is. They're at I think 37 and a half minutes or so mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, but they do face the Pittsburgh Steelers this coming weekend, so mm-hmm. this this will be their first test after facing the you know a dank Browns and Bears defense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we're going to see them tested pretty soon here, and and we'll see who the Eagles really are next week against Pittsburgh. Uh, the team on a whole didn't rush all that well. Thirty-one carries for a hundred yards. 
but Ryan Matthews' owners were rewarded. He scored twice for the Eagles. And, of course, we had a modest night for Jordan Matthews. Six catches, 71 yards. Could have been much better. It seems like we always say this with Jordan Matthews' stat lines. <laughs> it could have been better. I mean, okay, so he's kind of efficient. Six of nine targets, better than week one. But he also dropped a pretty beautifully thrown Carson Wentz. Touch- I mean, it should have been a touchdown. It, it, was, it should have been, yeah. It, it looked no very doubt. similar if you were watching football on Sunday. It looked kind of similar to the Odell Beckham drop down the left sidelines. Oh, one that, man. One that definitely hit his hands, and you would have presumed he would have gotten into the end zone, <clears throat> but didn't quite finish the play. Uh, yeah, it seems like Odell Beckham makes like the most difficult catches possible, but then those easy ones that yeah. are gimmies, you know, it just drops. It's like, man, that was way too easy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Jordan Matthews, I think I'm fine with him. Uh, he, he'll be a solid fantasy option the rest of the way out here. Yeah. Let's move on to the waiver wire and fab portion of today's show. That's the uh, meat and potatoes here. Remember, all fab recommendations are going to be based loosely on a 12-team standard format with a $100 waiver budget. Of course, if you have a $1,000 waiver budget, multiply our recommendations times 10. Uh, pretty simple math there. Of course, percent only figures are taken by Eric and I usually in the late Monday early Tuesday evening and are subject to change regularly especially as more and more leagues pass through their waiver periods here let's get started with quarterbacks uh to be clear I think Carson Wentz is better probably a better option if you're on the market for a quarterback uh, than the next player we're going to talk about I mean Carson Wentz Gruden grinder Monday night you can't ask for a whole lot more than that but what about Sam Bradford he actually played pretty well against the Packers defense Granted, a Packers defense that was down top cover corner, uh, Sam Shields here, but he's got availability all over the place. Uh, I mean, probably avoiding him in single quarterback leagues, but there might be some value here if you need a bye week replacement option. Yeah, it was kind of surprising the Vikings game plan on Sunday night. You you would expect, uh, you know, a guy making his first start for the team that's only been around for two weeks, mm-hmm. you know, would ride Adrian Peterson in the running game. Instead, they decided to throw 31 times and the running game was basically non-existent. I mean, the Packers' run defense is seeming, seemingly fairly good this year. Yeah. But, yeah, with Sam Shields down, like, uh, Bradford was able to pick on the Packers. Yeah, I'm not necessarily convinced that the Packers have this reformed stud run D. I just think that the struggles on the Minnesota offensive line are, are, are pretty so well it, documented. Do you think it's uh, maybe just uh, – all these new entities like trying to like coexist and it, it, it will like eventually. Yeah, possibly. I mean, the Packers run defense has been incredibly impressive. If you, you yeah. can't pick an MVP on the Packers Sunday night, unless you talk about their run D their front seven here. But that being said, I think some of those, uh, some of those successes can at least be attributed to a Minnesota offensive line that even with a healthy Adrian Peterson, has not been able to run the football at all this season. Yeah. And uh, of course, Adrian Peterson, well, maybe would have been carted off the field, carried. I think they forgot that when they were building their old new stadium, you know, like a cart to ride the player through that fan zone on the way out. Yeah. That was just bizarre to me. Yeah, but, it was very. But uh, but anyway, Adrian Peterson, torn meniscus. So uh, he there's not going to be much of a running game. We'll get to the backup options in our waiver wire portion, but Sam Bradford did it without a running game. That's the big thing that stands out to me. I mean, they, they had zero success running the ball, yet Sam Bradford was continually able to find open receivers, whether it be uh, Stephon Diggs, who had the big game, but I mean, Kyle Rudolph getting open, Adam Thielen, I think yeah, is how you say Those are name. the top three uh, receivers exactly. for them, yeah. And moving forward, guys like Jared McKinnon will also have a uh, presence in the passing game. So again, Sam Bradford, starting to be kind of a viable fantasy quarterback. I would consider him in a 14-team league or a 16-team. He'd probably be a decent bi-week fill-in, uh, somebody that should at least be rostered, I would say. Yeah, I, I just want to see how he does against a more formidable Carolina defense this week. Exactly. Uh, fortunately, no bye weeks yet, so you don't have to worry about streaming him next week, but someone to maybe keep your eye on if you do need a quarterback. Uh, I believe that. I think Aaron Rodgers and the Pack have a bye week for us, so something like that if you need to pick somebody up, just uh, mm-hmm. just throwing those options out there. So no more than a buck or two on Fab for someone like Sam Bradford here. Uh, let's move on to other quarterbacks. This is really just a, a two-quarterback league summary. We don't advise Ross any of these players we're about to mention in your standard 12-team single quarterback formats. But we do have Cody Kessler expected to start for the Browns on Sunday with Josh McCown facing a multi-week absence. Then you've got Jacoby Brissett in New England. He could start once, maybe twice for the Patriots with Jimmy Garoppolo nursing an AC joint sprain in his shoulder. Then, of course, we have Brian Hoyer, like we mentioned in the beginning. Uh, he could see He's going to see some time with Jay Cutler missing uh, games. So, I mean... Cody Kessler, Browns, he's got some weapons. I think Cody Kessler, if he's minimum price, could be a 
okay DFS option if you really want to punt the position, but I'm not touching him in, in season-long formats. Yeah, it's, I mean, we have no idea who you uh, actually feels more comfortable with, whether it's Corey Coleman or Terrell Pryor, who led the team in uh, targets, I believe, uh, over the weekend. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you just kind of have to wait and see. Uh, if I, if, I mean, I have Corey Coleman personally in about half of my league. So mm-hmm. yeah, you can't um, really start him anymore. Can it, you? It's kind of diff- it's a difficult decision, and depending on like the situation, I might have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when bye weeks get going, Corey Coleman, one of the breakthrough performers of the week two slate of games, but now he just gets thrown back into the whole realm of uncertainty because of the whole quarterback situation. We don't. I mean, I haven't really watched Cody Kessler play any football since he played the Badgers in, in I don't know, it was an Outback Bowl or something way, yeah. way back in the day. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just, I mean, the book's not out on any of these guys. They could very well have success, but Cody Kessler has the weapons, but I assume we I mean, eventually get McCown back. He's going to get Josh Gordon back uh, in week five here, so something to maybe watch out for. I'm a little bit worried about some of those wideout shares, though, because of the uncertainty. And then, of course, Jacoby Brissett with the Patriots. I think the Patriots are going to employ a very conservative game plan. Uh, yeah. For their Thursday night game, it's a short week, so I think we're going to see Legarrette Blunt thirty to thirty-five times. Then we're going to see a ton of Martellus Bennett, Julius Edelman in the flat, quick out curl routes. Nothing too. I mean, I, I don't know how much they're going to expect him to look a safety away and throw the ball <laughs> in the seam. I, I'm just not sure that's going to be happening. Hey, very I'm much on Thursday. too, man. Yeah, I feel exactly. like he's just gonna. He's probably gonna have the best week of all. Yeah, no doubt about that. We'll <laughs> definitely get to that when we get to our receiver portion of the week here. But running backs, this is probably the most important uh, fifteen twenty minutes of of podcast you listen to all week here. Because if you own Spencer Ware, it looks like Jamal Charles is going to be back week three, making Spencer Ware no longer really a viable starting option. If you've been banking on the huge production of D'Angelo Williams. Le'Veon Bell is going to be coming back week four. You might as well get ahead here and get yourself a running back. Or if you own any of the running backs that were hurt this week, whether it be Jay Ajayi or Amir Abdullah or Danny Woodhead, you're going to need to find yourself a replacement here. So we got a rundown of a list of three, four solid names and a few other suggestions to throw out there. And mm-hmm. we'll throw in some fab recommendations for you and give you uh, kind of the lowdown on each of these guys. Going to start off with a repeat pick from last week, someone we brought up. But he needs to be brought up again because of the Amir Abdullah injury. He's dealing with uh, potentially a sprained foot here. We'll learn more about that as the week progresses here. But Theo Riddick of the Detroit Lions, he's still available in 40% of Yahoo, about 20% of ESPN leagues. Didn't blow anybody out of the water Sunday with 11 carries for 37 yards, four catches on five targets for 28 yards. But if Amir Abdullah's not in the mix, man, Theo Riddick's got to be poised for a pretty big week, right? Uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, Dwayne Washington also has to be in the mix a little bit here. Mm-hmm. I think he has six carries for 32 yards. And it, they seemingly have been using a, you know, two two running back committee, whether exactly. it, like in the first two weeks it was Amir Abdullah and Theo Riddick. Now I think it's going to be kind of Theo Riddick and to a lesser extent Dwayne Washington. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like Theo Riddick, I believe, is maybe the best option out there if he's available in your league. Yeah, exactly. And he does have some availability, so we're going to throw him out there. I could see putting, I mean, $10, $15 of fab money on him because he's a very serviceable option this yeah, week. And, 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 and it, we'll see how the Abdullah injury plays out. Yeah, and a, a sprained foot seems like something that could linger a while. And it, I don't think, or I don't understand why the Lions would really press the issue until it's, you know, almost healed, if not entirely healed. Yeah, definitely understandable there. So Theo Riddick, probably one of the top uh, running back pickups for the week. If he's out there, I know he got drafted in some deeper formats. Of course, uh, his value uh, takes a bigger hike if you're in a PPR format because he's primarily primarily the third down, passing down, second and long, even back, that is going to get passes out of the backfield. And that's where a lot of his value comes from. So you yeah. get five, six. I mean, I think he caught 80 passes the year before. You get five, six. Yep catches a game from him that provides you with a very good floor you could do a lot worse in your PPR formats here but we were kind of talking about the Packers Vikings game a little bit earlier in the show let's jump back to that where we have Jarek McKinnon as one of the top waiver wire pickups for this week now Adrian Peterson he's dealing with a torn meniscus and I mean he hasn't officially been ruled out for week three the man is a machine we all know that but it is a torn ligament in your knee nonetheless I mean you definitely want to treat that with a little bit of caution 
I'm not exactly sure. I mean, the Vikings are one and one. Maybe they still think they can make the playoffs, so they might want to bring him back as soon as possible here. Wait, the Vikings are two and zero, right? Oh, they're two and zero. Oh, geez. Oh, that's right. They beat the Titans in Week One. <laughs> jeez, no that just seems that seems so weird to me. Um, but anyway, yes, the Vikings are are, are two and zero. And well, uh, speaking of Titans, you know, I, I have this uh, fun fact that I actually saw on Twitter. Yeah. So. Uh, Chris Johnson in his last season with uh, the Titans in 2013, he actually suffered a torn meniscus in week three of that season, mm-hmm. but played the entirety of that season. Yeah. Uh, that was actually his last 1,000-yard season at the age of 27, though. Since then, mm-hmm. he's had a, uh unmemorable season in uh, New York. And then, you know, he suffered – he was the number one back in Arizona last year, but then suffered a serious knee – an, another serious injury so yeah that's um, interesting but we'll, we'll see the parallels it, there. there there is a chance that peterson could actually play and i guess it's just really going to depend on maybe pain tolerance for him at this point yeah exactly a meniscus is usually something where you decide okay we're gonna have surgery or we're not gonna have surgery and then you see where it goes from there doesn't look like they're gonna require surgery so yeah. we could see a lot of ap so maybe keep an eye on the practice report yeah it's it's really gonna be contingent upon um you know how how practice unfolds this week mm-hmm. um but yeah we haven't we haven't really heard any word one way or the other whether he's mm-hmm. going to play or not play. Yeah, they're definitely keeping it but yeah. vague, just as they were with the quarterback situation. But all right, let's say, uh, just for the heck of it, let's say where Adrian Peterson's out week three against yeah. Carolina. Let's play it that way. Let's just say he's out. Mm-hmm. A couple backs come up. You've got Jarek McKinnon, and, of course, the Matt Asiata name gets thrown around in there. How do you see the distribution playing out between those two backs in Minnesota? Hmm. Well... Actually, during the 2014 season when Adrian Peterson was suspended, they were actually utilizing this duo, Mm -hmm. and Matt Asiata led the team in rushing 570 yards versus 538 for McKinnon, Mm -hmm. and also outproduced him in catches with 44 versus 27 for McKinnon. So are they going to employ something like that again? Uh, Who knows? I mean, we've seen McKinnon, you know, get – I guess a little, a few more touches than Asiata already, but that was because he was the backup in the change of pace back. Exactly. Uh, but when AP went out, we did see Asiata immediately in there on Sunday night. I, I almost think they're going to use Asiata in like first and second down, and Jarek McKinnon again in change of pace role. Yeah, the, the, no, that's an interesting way to, way to think about something like that. I, I would say. You know, I would say McKinnon is more valuable in PPR formats. Yeah. But then again, you mentioned last year after after Peterson went down. Um, was, 2014. Yeah, or 2014, yeah. exactly. After Peterson went down. Man, I'm off my game today. No worries. But, <laughs> but, uh, but Asiata actually got more catches than McKinnon, uh, possibly mm-hmm. a product of him just being on the field longer. Yeah. So I know I, I was all over, I was on Twitter. A couple people got after me on Twitter by, for overlooking Asiata when I was all I was ready to go on McKinnon. I think my, my gut instinct tends to lean towards Asiata because I play in more PPR formats than regular ones. Mm-hmm. But I think there's there could be value in both of these, but they limit each other's value due to the committee Exactly. And also the fact that we haven't really seen much consistency out of the Vikings offensive line so far. So maybe they're just going to kind of like ride Sam Bradford. Yeah. Ride Sam Bradford. That's an interesting. You you really don't want to like ever mention that. But yeah. But I mean, but the offensive line was pitiful when you had a good runner in Adrian Peterson. So for that reason, I think both these guys will be picked up. They're not going to be my first choice on the waiver wire, but I wouldn't spend more than four to eight dollars on either of these guys. I think if you go, if you bid much more than that, you're limited. You're just not going to get much value. And I would almost rather let someone else in your league uh, pay up big. You know, if someone wants to bid twenty five dollars on on Asiata or McKinnon, go ahead and let them do it and be thankful it's not you. Yeah, these yeah. guys should be owned. I'm just not thinking there's a whole lot of long term. Uh, value here because one if it is just the two of them if Peterson missed time they split carries uh, I mean they just they do different things and neither is the full-time back so the the upside is limited there yeah and also buyer beware in the short term as we mentioned before the Vikings are facing Carolina on Sunday mm-hmm. yeah so if you're looking for a short-term Spencer Ware fill in you might need to look elsewhere look elsewhere as in possibly a guy like Fozzie Whitaker from the Carolina Panthers <laughs> in that game that's coming up here uh, Jonathan Stewart uh, left uh, week two's game with a hamstring injury and it looks like he is facing a multi-week absence in relief of Stewart on Sunday Fozzie Whitaker produced 100 yards on 16 carries. That's over six yards a tote, plus three catches for 31 yards in that game. So Whitaker actually brings a new dynamic that Stewart definitely didn't bring before, and that is pass catching. We know with Carolina backs here that the goal line carries are going to be limited because Cam Newton's going to vulture those. Even uh, Mike Tolbert could vulture those as well. 
So the goal line carries are limited here. But Fozzie Whitaker is going to get enough production in a team that is generally run first. And even if they do have to throw the ball, Whitaker will be in there on third downs. For those reasons, I would actually say that Whitaker is probably one of my top pickups of the week. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Uh, And Eddie Lacy just ran for 4.2 yards per carry. I'm not really sure why they didn't use him more than the 12 carries that he received on Sunday night. But Mm -hmm. uh, like Minnesota is susceptible to the run, a good running back, a tough running back. Uh, Isn't Fozzie Whitaker a little bigger? I, I don't have the exact I don't measurements. I suppose I, I can take a look. Here, I'll, I'll I guess my out. gut instinct always says that Whitaker, because he tends to get a lot of receptions, is maybe a smaller back. But in reality, he's 5'10", 205, so he could be yeah. fairly bruising. I know he's quick. I'm going to see if we have a, his uh, – now, we don't have his combine 40 time on our, on our profile page here. But, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, Whitaker, it looks like he's going to do most of the work here. Cameron Artis Payne is around, I suppose, but yeah, I would I would say he's kind of a watch list candidate in mm-hmm. basically any league. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I have dead weight on my bench, I'm putting a dollar bid on Cameron Artis Payne. There's another guy I've got a, a dollar sure. bid for that we'll talk about later in the show here. But you know, I, I right now for bidding wise, I've got a in a 16 team league, I have a 26 dollar bid out. In a 12 team league, I have an 18 dollar bid out. And this is Whitaker, correct? And this is on Whitaker. Okay. Yes, okay. exactly. So that's kind of where I'm going bidding wise because in one of those leagues, I'm going to be losing Spencer Ware. So I need somebody in another one of those leagues. Uh, you know, I'm going to be. I have Terrence West in the flex, and I don't really like it. I don't yeah, feel good oof. about it. Yeah. So yeah. I need to. I need to get an immediate flex replacement. And I think poss- I would say that out of all the guys. That we talk about on this show today, Fozzie Whitaker probably has the most potential to score points in week three and week four. And then we'll see how Jonathan Stewart progresses along. I mean, last year was kind of a fluke for Stewart in a sense where he stayed healthy the entire year. Yeah, he remember he did miss like I think six week 16 and 17 with uh, ankle injury, which mm-hmm. then afflicted yeah. him in the playoffs. And yeah, I don't think he returned until the NFC championship game. Yeah, exactly. The, so. Then he re-aggra- he aggravated that injury in the Super Bowl, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but I, I understand what you're saying. It was surprising that he was actually healthy until that point in the yeah. season. Yeah, he got fantasy owners a long ways. This year they were going to try to scale him back a little bit and save him for the long haul. Of course, that plan didn't quite work because yeah. he's going to miss some time now. So Whitaker is someone that not only will be useful in the short term, but you never really know a steward if they need to hold him out a little bit longer. Or I you... mean, they should, right? Yeah. He's, he's on the other side of 30 at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they they want to save him for their postseason run. Smart and smartly so, I think that would be the right call there. But yeah. either way, Whitaker is my man. I've again eighteen and twenty six dollar bids here. Uh, the eighteen, we can try to keep our values to a twelve team league. I think you can get away with eighteen. You might want to jack that to twenty one if you know you absolutely need him this right. week. Eighteen, you know, sixteen to eighteen range is more of a keep your other owners honest bid. And, uh, hey, I'll take him if I get him, but I don't necessarily need to fill a starting spot this week. Mm -hmm. You know, the 24 to 26 range is I I need a flex spot this week, and I can't risk not getting him, so I want to make sure I get him. Sure, exactly. Uh, I mean, of course, maybe there's someone in in your league that goes nuts with, like, a $35 bid that you just can't avoid. And Mm -hmm. if that's the case, yeah, let them spend that fab money. I think we can can be patient here and back it up here. So, uh, anyway, yeah, Fozzie Whitaker only owning 6% Yahoo, 1% ESPN leagues. Should be available across the board. He's going to be the big pickup this week here of course Cameron Artis Payne if you're in a 16 teamer I don't think it would hurt to put a dollar bid down on Cameron Artis Payne sure. he's only owned in 1% Yahoo 2% ESPN leagues he's got some skill I, I, they just haven't used him yet uh, so I think you know you might want to cuff that or maybe they'll employ I don't think they'll employ a committee I still think Fozzie's the main guy outside of Tolbert in the goal line situation but, but but overall, I mean, maybe a little bit of love for Cameron Artis Payne if you're in a deeper format, just in case there's another injury there, they decide to go in another direction with the backfield. Sure. Speaking of backfields that are a mess here, I do want to hit on the Miami Dolphins here because <laughs> stop me if you've heard this before. Arian Foster left Sunday's game with a groin injury. Wait, what? Yep. No. Uh, this isn't a repeat of the last few, few years. This is uh, <laughs> this is happening right here and now in the second week of September 2016. Foster uh, looks like he has suffered a groin strain, and they don't think that he's going to miss more than a game or two. So maybe there's not a lot of long-term pretend or uh, profitability here. But groin injuries can easily be re-aggravated. So let's take a look at the backups here. And two players really come to mind, Jay Ajayi and Kenyon Drake. And it was interesting, neither of those guys were used heavily at all, really, in 
in week two. I mean, they were behind the entire game to the Patriots, and it was basically up to Tannehill to carry them back. And they only rushed the ball 16 times as opposed to throwing it 45 times. So I think we're going to see some more balance here in the especially upcoming week. Especially against Cleveland? <laughs> yeah, especially against Cleveland. Uh, well, again, one of the worst front sevens in the league, I believe. And, uh, I mean, okay, so Ajayi got more carries than Kenyon Drake. He got 5 for 14. Kenyon Drake only carried the ball twice, but was more productive, 12 total yards, and a touchdown here. Uh, Ajayi, the more productive uh, pass catcher, four catches for 31 yards here. Now, skills-wise, I've always thought Ajayi has what it takes, and I thought maybe this was the year for him to really get involved in the offense. Then they went ahead and signed Arian Foster and really kind of gummed up the works a little bit. Now that Foster's hurt, are you going all-in on Ajayi? I wouldn't say I'm going all-in, but I I can see him being the workhorse back, Mm -hmm. at at least. um, I mean, and even getting third-down work. With Kenyon Drake being kind of the change of pace option when they need a breather, when he needs a breather, mm-hmm. Ajayi that is, yeah. uh, I guess that w- that would be the most logical breakdown. But I mean, who knows what direction they're going to go? Maybe they really do like Kenyon Drake and are going to maybe maybe trot him out there as the number one back, especially after Ajayi had the issues with the front office correct recently? yeah i believe he was uh, there there was a problem where he didn't he was inactive and he didn't make the trip for week one because he was yeah. unhappy with his role following the acquisition of arian foster so there's maybe some front office tensions here but of course he played for the better part of week two's matchup so i would think that those things are behind him at this point yeah right now i'm buying skills i have i think a 17 dollar bid on a out right now hoping that goes through <laughs> But I am backing that up with a $1 Kenyon Drake bid because I think Drake's going to fly under the radar a lot. And if nobody else wants to bid on him, I'll happily scoop him up for a dollar and just see see what happens. Like, for example, if you have dead weight on your roster, if you have guys like Bilal Powell, he doesn't look like he's going to get involved. Kadeem Carey, he doesn't look like he's going to get involved. Buck Allen, Javorius Allen, two weeks inactive. Andre Allington, limited to kick return duties. Alfred Blues, not going anywhere with Lamar Miller getting 30 touches a game. Rob Kelly's well behind a healthy Matt Jones and Chris Thompson. Uh, even Chris Thompson and, and maybe someone like Wendell Smallwood. All those guys are on the chopping block. You don't need dead running back roster weight. You can go ahead and at least throw dollar bids out there on someone like Drake, even someone like Artis Payne, because the there's ups- the potential yeah, there. Exactly. The upside's worth owning those players. Right. Exactly here. So, uh, again, uh, I've got a $17 mediocre bid on Ajayi. Uh, of course, you know, Short-term usefulness there, but you never know with Foster's health. We'll see where that goes, and then backing that up with a $1 Drake Drake bid here. So, honorable mentions. Want to throw a couple names out here. Kenneth Farrow of the Chargers. Uh, He's going to be Melvin Gordon's backup because, remember, Danny Woodhead suffered an injury, but unlike in these other cases, Melvin Gordon's already owned by most people, the guy that stands to benefit the most. Yeah, and that's more as a handcuff, correct? Yeah. And in a deeper league, you're looking at, like, 16-team leagues. Yeah, you're going to have to be in real deep to go Kenneth Farrow. And then another Kenneth, this is is weird that both Kenneths are in honorable mentions this week, but uh, (laughs) Kenneth Dixon of the Baltimore Ravens, he's been banged up inactive a little bit, but both Justin Forsett and Terrence West, who have a pretty solid timeshare in Baltimore, they're both averaging less than 3.5 yards per carry each of them and it's not pretty there so eventually maybe Kenneth Dixon can jump in when healthy and take over a a good it'll be good to get some young blood kind of injected into that offense and and maybe a little bit of a spark for those guys uh I don't know if he'll do what David Johnson did for the Cardinals last year but you never know I mean he's a young player you can get him for a buck now in your keeper leagues and and monitor that situation uh he's the kind of player that you would be targeting in that situation so if you've got the extra roster spot I don't see a problem going going with this. Again, there's not going to be any short-term usefulness. He's mm-hmm. not going to solve your Spencer Ware, D'Angelo Williams problems, but there is some long-term utility, and you always want to keep, always want to maintain the rest, best roster possible here. So those guys are all players you might want to consider picking up here. Yeah, it's all about roster management. <laughs> yeah, yeah, roster management, active waiver wire. That's why you're listening here, so you're on to the right track here. Well, you're starting your weekly fantasy opponent, and you think to yourself, I would love to challenge just one of his players and not his entire team, but your fantasy sports service doesn't allow you to. Now you can on the all-new No Halftime app. The No Halftime app brings you to create individual challenges using players or teams. For example, you can pit Beckham versus Brown, Cam versus Rogers, or even Ezekiel Elliott versus Todd Gurley. Creating a challenge takes seconds, and accepting challenges is even easier. No Halftime challenges can be private or public and created for the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, PGA, and other sports. Visit NoHalftime.com for more information and to download the No Halftime app for your iPhone or Android device. 
Use promo code ROTOFF16 and receive a 100% bonus up to $25. Real money and fantasy supremacy awaits you. No halftime where the fantasy sports season never takes a break. Join today and get started. Well, Eric, we're going to move on to the second half here. We're going to talk some wide receivers. And I'm going to go ahead and admit right off the bat that I, I think the receiver crop, week one showed a very, very nice receiver crop with a lot of opportunities opening up. Week two, I think the running back receiver positions are switched because there's a lot of good backs. It's kind of slim pickings among receivers here. But let's run down a few names anyway, just in case our listeners are looking to uh, either fill some dead roster weight or or just pick up a, a considerable flex spot. One guy I want to start with, uh, we'll just start with him. I don't know if he's the first choice this week, but he was in the Thursday game, and a lot of people, I think, forgot about that. That's going to be Marquise Goodwin of the Buffalo Bills. Now, we joked, I myself is very guilty, we joked around about all those Sammy Watkins complimentary options here, but it looked like Marquise Goodwin, who was one of the more productive options, at least he's the guy that Tyrod Taylor is going to look for down the field here. Am I correct? Oh, yeah, for sure. And he does like to throw the deep ball. So, yeah, like they, they may take a couple shots per game. There is the opportunity for him to get the occasional, you know, 30-plus yard catch for sure. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if the volume is going to be there. Yeah, he did get five targets uh, last Thursday against the Jets. Mm-hmm. Only, uh, but, only caught I mean, two for 112 exactly. yards. But that's to be expected because mm-hmm. of the role he plays. Yeah, exactly. So that's what you're getting. I mean, he's probably the best He's probably best owned in a best ball league if you can do transactions sure. in a format like that because you could get his big performances. But again, it's going to be tough to rely on on a week-to-week basis. I mean, had a good 18, 20-point fantasy day for owners on Thursday night. Probably it, 0.03% played him. You may you may recall that he actually entered the concussion protocol uh, after that game. Oh, but not he that. but he actually on Monday he cleared said concussion protocol. All right. So even though like they had you know extended time between week two and week three, mm-hmm. he was able to clear the protocol for head injuries well in advance of week three. Yeah, which is good. Yeah, definitely good if you plan on picking him up at all. Again, this is probably limited to really deep leagues because it is a little bit of a risky play. You're not going to get much consistency out of that. I mean, even Greg Salas caught a 71-yard catch in this game. So it's really tough. I mean, Sammy Watkins doesn't look to be 100% yet, and these targets may not are getting be, spread. Yeah, he may not be the rest of the year. We'll see. I mean, he, so he's – I mean, as we mentioned before, I believe in a previous podcast – you know, he had surgery for a Jones fracture. He has a screw in his foot. Uh, the stability can sometimes be compromised with a, that type of injury in the foot. Um, I, I can see him just dealing. I mean, for him, it's going to be all pain tolerance. Mm-hmm. And how many how many snaps do you even play? I, I never really looked into that to, to see I mean, he, he was, he was on the he was on the field for most of the game, I believe, yeah. and then he came out towards the end of the game. It didn't look like he was able to complete that game. So, but I mean, he's still confident that he can. Uh, yeah, seventy five percent of the offensive snaps. Yeah. I mean, yeah, forty two snaps week one, forty snaps week two. So I think that's something you can expect to see the rest of the way out. Though. Sure. A word of caution, though, the Bills do have the Arizona Cardinals. At least they're at home, yeah. uh, but they're four and a half point dogs at home. If that tells you anything here. So uh, they might uh, their their offense might be limited overall against a very very good defense here. So again, probably limited to deep leagues here. One other guy I want to look at from that Thursday night game though is Quincy Anunwa from the New York Jets. He's owned in ten percent of Yahoo and six percent of ESPN leagues. So there's a lot of availability here. He actually leads the team in both catches thirteen and targets fourteen for two weeks here. And this is a team that has Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker on it. So Marshall, though, is dealing with a knee injury. Eric Decker dealing with a shoulder injury. Of course, it's really vague with the whole new questionable designation thing. But keep an eye on those guys' practice time because if any of those uh, two players are limited, then all of a sudden Anunwa could step into an even bigger role. Yeah, yeah. once Wednesday rolls around, we'll actually have a better indication of you know Marshall and Decker's status. Mm-hmm. On, the other, on the other hand, Anunwa actually suffered a rib injury and left the game for a little mm-hmm. bit last Thursday. I'm guessing that's uh, a very minor injury, though, since he was able mm-hmm. to return. But, yeah, I do like the fact that Fitzpatrick has been looking – Ryan Fitzpatrick has been looking his way so much mm-hmm. so far, especially with those two guys on his side. Yeah, and traditionally you're not going to see an unwell occupy the top cover corner of the opposing team. So sure. typically he might get the second or third best option. We'll see how he handles that same workload if, uh, if Marshall or Decker are limited yeah. in any means. I mean, they're both dealing with minor injuries as well but I think Anon was getting to the point where he should probably should be owned in uh, maybe not 12 team but definitely 14 teams and greater and uh, I do have I have two dollar bids 
Zeldon and Unwa. I mean, I've got him behind Ajayi and Whitaker in my, on my giant fab list, but I do have $2 bids on Unwa because he can be a viable flex option, I think, mm-hmm. especially in PPR formats. Oh, yeah, I totally agree, man. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm looking for there here. <laughs> uh, we had a stretch for wide receivers a little bit this week, but one guy I do want to bring up is Josh Doxson of the Washington Redskins. He's only owning 6% of Yahoo and 7% of ESPN leagues. He only caught one catch on five targets Sunday against Dallas, but he was targeted five times, and the thing that stood out to me is he's getting some fade routes in the red zone. I mean, they're not looking to Deshaun Jackson or Pierre Garçon as much in the red zone. Of course, Jordan Reed, the number one red zone target there yeah. in Washington, but Josh Doxson is the guy that they're throwing up the fades to here. Now, I don't know if it's going to happen this year or if it's going to take more long-term. Doxson's a guy I really like in dynasty formats, and I think there might be some viability towards the end of this season if he continues to get used in that manner here. Yeah, and considering he's uh, easily the tallest wideout um, among the top four at least, he's 6'2", 206, mm-hmm. I do like the fact that they're looking his way in. You know, that, that chemistry I think will come together at some point. It's just he's in his rookie season. It's going to take a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've seen with the rookie receivers the last few years where uh, they're quicker to adapt than a lot of the other positions and uh who who knows i mean dachshund could be useful the one pass he did catch was a 57 yarder so they like him (laughs) down the field and they like him in the red zone i think that's an excellent combo for a receiver to eventually evolve into a kind of a comprehensive all-around type player so when it comes to dachshund you're thinking about a prospective you know one or two dollar bid yeah just putting it down getting him on the roster waiting it out and mm -hmm. see if he uh you know hits at some point yeah exactly having a deep bench would help this if you're in a dynasty format there's a decent chance he's already picked up but if you're in any kind of keeper format uh he's worth a buck he's someone that you could definitely think about because i have high hopes for him i just didn't draft a ton of him because i didn't know i knew i wouldn't be able to get much from him early on here sure all right but let's look at someone that might be able to help you a little bit more in week three that's philip dorsett of the indianapolis colts the availability there is a little bit drier he's owned in 42 percent of yahoo and 40 percent of espn leagues but the reason we bring up this name philip dorsett is because dante moncrief is dealing with an injured shoulder i believe leaf he underwent an mri on monday i think i'm looking for the results here i'm not sure if we have them quite yet but in any case ty hilton's the number one option there dante moncrief if he has to miss time that bumps philip dorsett up to the number two wide out there is there value in andrew luck's number two receiver yeah there's definitely value there just because they run three wide sets that their base offense utilizes three wide outs and so far, Dorsett has actually profited from that. He has a five receptions for 124 yards on mm-hmm. 11 targets. That's over 11 yards per target. That's ridiculous. Uh, that that just tells me they're, um, that Andrew Luck kind of trusts uh, Dorsett to kind of go down the field. I'm going to toss it up to you. You go up and get it. And he's actually been able to do that. He's. I mean, I mean that's, that, that's a ridiculous uh, yards per target count, man. Yeah, so I like to look at yards per target as much as just overall targets and trying to analyze waiver wire things, but he was tied for second on the team with five targets in that matchup against Denver, and he had a tough matchup against Denver. So I think if he's out there on the waiver wire, he's someone that might get overlooked in a lot of leagues because they look at that stat line, not really understanding the full picture of what happened there, and they might pass on him. But I think there is some profit potential in a guy like Dorsett here. (laughs) Um, Moving down the list, though, what about Kenny Britt? Does he deserve a spot here? He's owning only 3% of Yahoo and 8 percent of espn leagues 10 catches on 16 targets for 161 total here 10 plus yards per target i mean he's been productive he looks like i know it's case keenum and we eventually might see rookie jared goff but it looks like kenny britt's the number one option in that offense right yeah i i mean if you had asked me a week ago and i actually had a buddy ask me a week ago about kenny britt well he i actually checked out his roster i'm like hey kenny britt's the guy you should drop for you know, like Eli Rogers, you know, that week, last week. And then Rogers goes out and only has one catch for less than 10 yards. But yeah, yeah, after two weeks here with uh, Case Keenum, uh, 10 catches on 16 targets for 161 yards, like you Mm -hmm. said, that's, yeah, only Tavon Austin has more targets in this offense. And Tavon Austin, you know. All his targets are a little dink and dunk. Let's get him the ball in the open field and hopefully he cuts it up. Yeah, and when those... Passes are dink and dunk. You would expect his catch percentage to be better than 9 out of 21 on the season. So, I mean, Britt is, I think, easily the most viable uh, wideout in L.A. right now. It's mm-hmm. just there, there, he has, there are no other real options. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you I know, mean, opposite him. I guess he's maybe worth, Lance Kendricks. Yeah, I mean, Britt's worth 2 or 3 bucks uh, just to save you from having to bid 8 to $10 down the road. Yeah. Is essentially how I'm looking at this. I don't know if I'd use a top waiver 
claim priority there on him, but he's definitely worth rostering, should be rostered. We alluded earlier in the show that we were going to warn everybody about Danny Amendola. He's owned in 6% of Yahoo, 4% of ESPN leagues. You might find him uh, popping up on some waiver wire columns or, or whatnot around the internet. Don't be fooled. His two touchdown performance is highly fluky, and he's got Jacoby Brissett at the helm here. Am I right here? You d- don't don't waste your money on Amendola. Let another owner spend that money. Yeah, for sure. And it's not like you're going to have to spend you know a hefty sum to really get him. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I would save those dollars for either this week or later in the season. Don't waste it now. Exactly. So who are you going to drop to pick up these guys? Terrence William. Williams for the Cowboys, complete no after, targets. Yeah, in afterthought two. in that offense. I mean, he screwed up hard at the end of week one, and I think uh, they're going to let him think about that for a while. Laquan Treadwell, not even involved in the offense. He was a rookie that was getting some love early on. Doesn't look like he's going to have a role. Go ahead and cut him. Kamar Aiken, another one, no targets against Cleveland. They seem to be really content to go to Steve Smith and Mike, Mike Wallace, Wallace yeah. and even Brashad Perriman. Dennis Pitta got most of the targets. Yeah, you can go ahead and cut Kamar Aiken now. And then moving to San Diego, it looks like Tyrell Williams is the clear number two behind Travis Brendan. Dontrell and Mon, an afterthought. Go ahead and cut Dontrell and Mon. For, at the time being, yeah. Yeah, for the time being. I mean, someone could always get hurt, and these guys might pop up again later in the year. But for now, safely droppable in standard formats here. What about tight ends? I mentioned Dennis Pitta when talking about Baltimore. Uh, he had a real sexy 12 targets Sunday at Cleveland. I mean, that was twice as much as the next Baltimore Raven option, even though Mike Wallace got in the end zone twice. Dennis Pitta finishes with nine catches for 102 yards here. What are, what are your thoughts on him? How long will it last? Hips don't lie. Yeah, that's true. I mean, now, uh, can you can you run us down his, his medical history, though? I mean, just I mean, he has had I hip mean, surgery, right? He's had hip surgery on multiple dislocated hips, mm-hmm. and maybe his hips are more structurally sound now. Maybe this is why he's getting so much playing time. Yeah. The, the Ravens like, medical like robotic staff. robotic hips or something that yeah. just made him the $6 million man. Yeah, the Ravens medical staff actually trusts the structural integrity of those hips. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is not fool's gold. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not totally buying it, I guess. Yeah. Even though Flacco is really trusted in his tight ends in the past and had success doing so Mm -hmm. but i mean you look at the other guys crockett gilmore had three targets max williams zero so no other tight ends are really getting uh, any action here i'll admit i didn't think we were ever going to hear from dennis pitt again in fantasy circles but that doesn't look like it's the case anymore and he all of a sudden becomes viable even if he only gets seven or eight targets i think he's he's been out producing guys like fleener and barnage so i think he's worth a pickup yeah and like this next guy jacob tammy if Mm -hmm. if i was unable to get him a week ago i guess i would be going pretty hard on pitta because that means my tight end situation what is not was not great after week one and i'm really like you know, striving to get a decent tight end. Yeah, I mean, option. in my 16-team leaguer, I think or I think that's one that we do together. Actually, I have I had Zach Ertz as my starting tight end, and my backup, figuring I'd get him down the road, would be Tyler Eifert. All right, so mm-hmm. now both of those guys are hurt. Not going to have either option for week three, probably. I had a, I had to put a six dollar bid on Tammy for last week. Mm-hmm. Got him in my lineup. I ended up winning my matchup. That made the difference. That decision there, uh, and he's got a really nice matchup against New Orleans this week. <laughs> Highest over under on the entire slate, and I mean five catches, seventy five yards, and a touchdown on eight targets Sunday against the Raiders. Raiders, of course, notoriously notoriously bad at covering tight ends here. So. Tammy's another option that you have to think about, and I think you can throw a bid in the five to six dollar range uh, at him this week, and maybe you'll be able to get him. Yeah, <laughs> man, Matt Ryan is really doing the every other or the even year thing. Man, he's leading the league in I think passer rating and explosive plays so far this season. Uh, he has Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, and now Jacob Tammy as the you know top three options in the passing game. And the fact that Tammy's got eight targets both in both week one and week two tells me that this is going to continue yeah so there's a lot to like there one more tight end i want to bring up comes from the monday night game that's trey burton of the eagles owned basically nowhere again this is a short-term band-aid in your deepest of formats but okay selleck's the big blocker we know that in philadelphia but it looks like trey burton is kind of taking over as the pass catcher while zach Ertz deals with that whole collarbone displacement which is going to land him with a multi-week absence, it appears. So looking at that game from Monday night here, Trey Burton targeted 70, I'm sorry, seven times. Uh, that's tied for second on the team. Ended up with five catches for 49 yards and a touchdown 9.8 yards per catch. Viable replacement, but only in the short term, right? 
yeah, I would only say for the next week or two, um, as long as we know Zacherts is out. Yeah, he's he's definitely somebody that you can you can consider plugging into your lineup uh, with buys coming up in week four. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's like maybe he will be a decent option then in maybe even 12 team leagues. Yeah, exactly. Now uh, let's move on and wrap up with streaming defense options. Now there weren't a lot, uh, you know, the gut doesn't say a lot, but one that stood out to me who I think might have some availability is the Miami Dolphins. They're own two, but they get the Cleveland Browns and Cody Kessler at home. So, I mean, you have to imagine that that's one that's going to be targeted all over the place, not only in daily, but in season long formats. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I'm looking this up. I have to see who the Bears play, but I would love to be facing uh, Brian Hoyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they, they got the Cowboys on Sunday Cowboys. night, so we're going to have a Brian Hoyer-Dak Prescott matchup Ooh. in primetime on Sunday here. So, uh, yeah, I actually do like the Cowboys defense a lot in that spot, and they don't have a ton of ownership because, I mean, it's the Cowboys defense. They're yeah. injured. They're, they're not quite what they once were and here. And they have a, a lot of people in their front seven suspended at the moment. Yeah, that. I mean, Orlando <laughs> Skandrick's banged up, too, one yeah. of their top corners. So, uh, so yeah, I'd look at the Cowboys or the Dolphins for week two or I'm sorry week three defense streaming and uh also for your DFS lineups of course uh we've got another we've got whole podcasts on DFS running all week long here if you do want to get more information on that Eric and I hopefully did a good enough job here running down the waiver wire for you that's going to wrap things up for today's episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast sponsored by nohalftime.com also remember to check out Rotowire free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod that's rotowire.com slash p-o-d once again, I'm Jake Latarski. You can find me on Twitter at jakeski52. And over here, I'm Eric Katuri, and you can find me on Twitter at etcat30. The Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast will return Wednesday with Mario and John. Napa know-how. The Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.